it hadn't been for those earlier events that I would have never made it through it. Hello, Powerhouse Church. Uh, finally getting to the second episode in this series of just listening to the stories of those who are part of the life of our church. Um, this month, we have Elaine Cavaletto. Um, Elaine has uh, been a significant part of the life of our church here. Um, she served in our board ministry or on the church board. She's uh, currently overseeing our prime timers ministry. Her and her late husband, Al, once oversaw coffee here on Sunday mornings, but Elaine has served in a number of capacities and outside of that has done banking and farming and it's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person that we're so blessed to have be a part of our congregation. And really just a reminder that the hope in some of these conversations is not to exhaust anybody's life story. We certainly can't do that in the brief amount of time that we spend um, in conversation, but really for us to take a few moments to see um, where it is that the gospel is breaking forth in this person's life, um, how it is that, that God has brought about redemption and healing and wholeness and salvation into their lives. Um, each member of our church, just as a reminder, is a living gospel, is a living story of good news. To anyone who's received Christ salvation they are a living testimony of the work of God in our midst and we want to pay attention to what it is that God is doing uh, in our church and so I hope that you'll enjoy uh, this conversation that I had with Elaine but in your own words who are you I'm Elaine <laughs> and most of you know me but I'm sure there are some that don't uh, hopefully, you will find out a little bit more about me as I go along. Um, one of the things is that how did I come to faith? I, um, well, let's start here before we jump into that. How did you, so you're Lane, how did you land in our church? I did, I'll get to that. Okay, all right. All right. I'll, get to that. I'll let you go. Um, it all began um, when my father died in 1989. Um, my mother took care of, of everything. Uh, I didn't know who was doing the service. I, you know, I was working at a bank at that time, had limited time off. And uh, I went up and the pastor at the Nazarene Church in Pismo Beach uh, was going to be the pastor that performed the service. And as I sat there, I, I began to wonder, and I said, uh, how did he know my dad? My dad never went to church except for a funeral or a wedding. And the things he's saying, they wouldn't have said anything at those events. And I found out that a neighbor of my mom, my family, um, had called my mom and said, I know that you don't go to church, but would you mind if I asked my pastor? And I walked away from there saying, what's all this about? Yeah, I had attended uh, the Catholic Church and uh, been exposed, but not to any big degree. 
And, but that kind of set the uh, things in motion in my head, and um, I kind of talked to my husband about it. And, um, he was brought up as a Catholic, and he said that he wasn't that interested. Um, he was a very quiet man, and, and so I kind of dropped it at that. The next episode that happened was when my oldest daughter got a divorce and uh, eventually uh, met a man and was getting married the second time. Uh, she says, Mom, it's going to be in the Ventura Church of the Nazarene, where her sister and brother-in-law and this gentleman that she's marrying all attended. And would you please come and see the facilities? And I said, sure. And so I came. Pastor Dan was, was here. And I left that service that morning. And my kids remarked to me, I remember this. Oh, you're awful quiet. What happened? I don't know. I went home and told my husband I was going to go back to church the next day, next Sunday, that, and he says, why, we, you know, and I said, I don't know. Um, I went back to church and uh, gave my heart to Jesus. Not fully understanding any of it. Um, I began to be discipled by uh, Patty Litton's sister-in-law, Wally's sister, and um, she really gave me a foundation. Not that I understood everything, but it was a beginning. The next thing that happened was that um, my husband Al uh, decided he would come to church. And I went, okay, well, I'm not going to say much. Were you inviting at that time? And him to I come? wasn't inviting or anything. We were going to Santa Barbara for a reception, for a wedding reception. And uh, since we live 15 miles out of town, out of Ventura, um, I said, well, <coughs> I could uh, come get you or you can sit in the car or, you know, whatever. And he decided that he would come in with me. And how long after your giving your heart to Jesus is this event? About a month. About a month later. Okay, so really soon after. Yeah, and, and he had met Pastor Dan, uh, my son-in-law, um, was instrumental in that's when they were flying uh, the, uh, oh, I can't remember what, into um, Edwards Air Force Base, the space shuttles. Mm. And so he had asked uh, Al to go with him, and of course Pastor Dan was in the car, so they had had, had some conversation. And so, um, so we began coming to church, and, um, a decision was made that um, um, Bibles were needed, um, and um, there was a certain Bible that Pastor Dan wanted, 
<clears throat> and so Al and I uh, helped with that. And uh, Pastor Dan has always remarked that was the day that Al was so proud of carrying Bibles into the office. And so things went along pretty well. And then in July of 1995, my sister called me and said, um, I've got cancer. And the prognosis was not good. And so um, she was going to go by this time, of course, my dad had died, and my, she was going to go uh, to Lori Grandy to tell my mom about it. And she says, I can't tell her over the phone, and I agreed. And that morning she called and she said, can you do me a favor and go tell her? And that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, she lost six weeks um, and then life got back to kind of normal, whatever normal is. And approximately 20 months later, I got a call and my eldest daughter had been shot. She was working at a bank, and robbers came in. Those were devastating times, but I knew that if it hadn't been for those earlier events, that I would have never made it through it. Um, my grandkids were, went to live with their dad in Northern California, the conversation <coughs> was limited. It was a very trying time. But I kept praying and knowing that, you know, God, make sure that I can always have some communication with them, no matter if they're here or where they are. Don't let anything happen that I can't always reach them. Uh, time went on and um, Andrew came and lived with us and we were made his guardians. And he was in high school. And boy, if that wasn't a trip, <laughs> uh, you know, being as old as we were and having a teenager and, um, but, um, God knew what he was doing by having him placed in our home. And, um, eventually, uh, my granddaughter got married and, uh, now they are both parents. Um, my granddaughter is very much into church and mm -hmm. her sons go mm -hmm. and everything. I'm still working on my grandson, <laughs> uh, but you have to be very subtle about it. <laughs> uh, is this the one with the bike shop? 
So can I, can I just like pause you for a second there and just maybe ruminate on some of the story that you shared? So one, thanks for sharing so openly and honestly. Um, it's, there's always an element of like connection that you feel with somebody when they invite you into the intimate parts of their lives. And I'm grateful that, that you've done that. So you have this two big experiences where there is almost like a, like you start to feel some sort of itch when it comes to faith and spirituality at your dad's funeral. And then when you came to check out our church here for your daughter's wedding, and then you give your life to Jesus and then immediately after that, in the telling of your story, you talk about, you know, then Alex starts coming to church and you guys got Bibles and it seems like things are going well. And then you name these two painful experiences um, that it would seem to me like just hearing that on the face of it, so incongruent with how you think that the Christian faith ought to operate in someone's life, that things become better or easier, um, maybe there's an avoidance from some of the, the sufferings that you might, you know, experience in life. But your, your reading of that is that the faith, faith was a thing that sustained you in the midst of all of that suffering and right. hardship. Right, right. Uh, God prepared me hmm. for that, you know, and... and uh, then my mother's passing, and, and my husband uh, in 2013. Uh, you know, all these events, um, there were great, great periods in there where Al and I uh, did a lot of traveling after I retired from mm. the bank. And um, we, we had, a, you know, a lot of fun with stuff, and we did things with members here of the church. And uh, so we and we went to football games every Friday <laughs> night for Rio Mesa, uh, and uh, you know we did some fun things. Uh, we uh, when he died, uh, my children, my my two remaining children, uh, were not yet ready to retire, and I said that. Um, let me, I'll manage the ranch for the next five years. I'll give you five years. And as time went on, um, I knew that um, it was becoming time that I needed to step down. Um, really, um, from my third or fourth job that I yeah. <laughs> had retired from previous, you know, and so today, my uh, son and daughter-in-law are managing the ranch. And Under your supervision, I'm assuming. I'm just, oh, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, he still knows that I have the checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but I, I must say that um, he's an engineer, thinks differently than I do. But for the most part, I have to say that. 
we respect each other. Yeah. Um, there's times when I'm sure that both of us want to gnarl <laughs> and stuff, but um, sure. but things are, are going well. Yeah. And uh, we're into the second year yeah. starting. And so before you go too far, I want to probe just a little bit. How is it, you know, when we go back to these moments of tragedy and how you shared that faith um, was like um, the thing that helped you get through those times. I know this might be a curveball because we didn't like prep for any of this, but like what, what was it about faith or what was it about the church or Pastor Dan or um, prayer or whatever it was that helped sustain you and get you through those hard times? I found that a lot of, a lot of times um, I would wake up in the middle of the night and uh, would be praying. Uh, certainly, the, you know, church is a building. Uh, they're not going to wrap their arms around you, but... Uh, Church is people, mm. and um, the outpouring of love from all the people that were here, mm. and um, people that I had not seen for a number of years since leaving the banking, or uh, the neighbors and, and everybody, uh, outpouring of love from them um, kept me grounded, uh, you know, um, Bible studies, uh, being able to uh, go to lunch, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon, go to lunch with different ones, um, and I became part of the church. I, I fully believe that if you're going to belong to something that um, you become part of it. Mm. That, that you, uh, God has given us all talents. I call them talents. Uh, uh, and um, He doesn't give us uh, those, you know, uh, He gives some, you know, to be a preacher or some to uh, just different ways. And um, <clears throat> I found that uh, by serving, by by opening up and serving, and by by saying yes, I'll cook a meal, or yes, I'll lead a Bible study, or that was part of my growing experience. Mm -hmm. um, so you say, like it, it's always so interesting to me when you talk to people about, you know, what are the most meaningful experiences or in this case the thing that sustained you in the darkest of valleys as we would you know as scripture would sometimes refer to those moments in life and my inclination is that there's going to be some sort of like spectacular something you know there's there's going to be some particular event that was was the thing that helped do it or some sermon um, but it's like the ordinary, the things that seem so ordinary, the relationships, the lunches, people to be a listening ear, 
it's the church being like the body of Christ to one another that like it, it seems like on the surface of it the most trivial thing you know like oh we go to lunch after church but in the moment of like profound hardship it's the thing that sustains us um, and what I yeah what I hear you saying is like that's why you got to be so committed to this thing because it's in the midst of all those ordinary activities and everyone kind of does their own part um, where there's like significant contributions that we make to each other's lives. We do. Uh, you know, we learn from each other. Uh, one of the things I've always said is if I don't learn something new today, then it's a lost day. <laughs> and believe me, I, I, I've learned plenty. Um, one of the things... Uh, as I have gotten older, you know, uh, there's a lot of friends that uh, have died, church members, and uh, there's a number of them that have moved away. And um, I, you know, as, as somebody who lived in their house for 65 years and never moved, uh, it, it's foreign to me. I, I mean, I, I now, uh, since my son has been there, I, I now live 300 feet away from where I spent 65 years of my life. Um, and it's different. Uh, it's exciting. It's frustrating. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I come into church and, and I look around and I say, where are the people? And um, this COVID thing has not helped. What? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, not only uh, people staying away, uh, the decisions that management has to make, uh, and management, I, I'm referring, I'm using a, probably a work term there <laughs> instead of, uh, but the pastor, the uh, church board, yeah. the, the leaders of the church, uh, and having to deal with those types of things. Um, mm. There's challenges, mm. but there's also opportunities. Mm. What's and, fun, like some of what you're saying, what I'm hearing is like, I'm trying to like connect some of these dots in my own head of like, you know, some of the ordinary activities of congregational life that you wouldn't necessarily pivot in the midst of a pandemic or COVID, you know, to try and find a way for after service lunch to, to somehow, you know, happen. Um, those, those, we might call them informal, unplanned, unorganized, um, Activities that build relationships that are meaningful connections and create a sense of belonging they they somehow just go by the way have gone by the wayside in many ways because of COVID like yes we can still replicate a worship service so to speak to an extent online but what you miss in the midst of all of that is that conversation of saying how is it going and you don't know if it was the Sunday in which somebody walked in and they're just having a hard time because right. it's a it's a rough year and they just need somebody to just hug them 
and to encourage them in that moment. You can't replicate that. And that thing, that little relationship, that connection within the church is sometimes a thing in the midst of hardship, in the midst of difficulty that sustains us most. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've thought of it that way before. I have a little bit, but not to that extent. But, um, you know, um, <clears throat> we get so uh, so used to things being uh, the same, mm. the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we get up in the morning at the same oh. time, we have breakfast, we brush our teeth and that, you know, on and on and on. And um, the last couple of years, life has been yeah. uh, turmoil. Yeah. And uh, yeah. in more ways than, than one, I mean, uh, no, I can't hug. Uh, mm. Who are you? You got a mask on. I, <laughs> you know. Um, and, uh, for me to go into a bank and have to have a mask on after <laughs> working in a bank where I worked, and that's the place where my daughter died. Mm. Um, you know, it it takes you back um, somewhat. Mm. Um, I, um, I've gotten used to sitting with my back to a window. I, I, years I couldn't yeah. do that. I had to know who was behind me. Yeah. Um, well, you name something too, and like that I'm studying a little bit in like our uh, in my some of my classes, my coursework that I'm taking about how we call them systems, they try and find some sort of homeostasis or normalcy. And when there's a big change, sometimes there's this demand for the system to find a new normal. We've been using that term a lot. And I think the online pivot and all of that, you know, we were forced in the moment of crises to have a new normal or adjusted. Um, But now it's almost like there's a different adjustment that needs to be done to get back to some sort of semblance of like community and connection within congregational life. But we always default to wanting to do what's comfortable and what's normal. And so right now we're in a moment where there's like so much, you know, I just stay online, I stay at home, I don't connect with people. And there's no crisis pushing them into some something else. And so they're just going to kind of stay there. But it it hurts the body of Christ. Yeah. It does, and 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 I think I you know I've thought about this a lot. You know, um, I grew up uh, no no religion, married a Catholic whose uh, family was very Catholic. Um, have a son who um, is LDS. Uh, have uh, you know others that are, are different faiths, and but we're all the same. Uh, you know, I I certainly would hope that our church would grow, but I'm more interested in what is their life about. Mm. Uh, you know, what are you doing for mankind? Mm. Um, and yes, you need a connection with God. And I've, I've um, 
I make no bones about it. That, um, every day I get up and I say, you know, God has been very good to me. Uh, 87 years he's taken care of me. And I don't take that for granted. Um, uh, 2016, I uh, had pneumonia and I went AFib. And as I was in the um, ER and the doctor said, you know, your, your heart is not, it's pumping too fast, We're, we can't get it down. And there's a couple of procedures that we can do to help. And I said, if I was your mother here, what would you do? And he said, I'd stop your heart and restart it. I kind of didn't, didn't fully know what that meant. Um, my, my kids were, were not here. My son-in-law was here, bless his heart. <laughs> Um, and he was the one that was sitting there with me. And it wasn't too long ago, um, I said, you made a remark that they did it twice. Why? He said, the first one didn't work. They had to stop it twice hmm. and bring you back. And, um, you know, I, I think of that and I think, oh my God, you know, a hundred years ago, I wouldn't be here. Mm. And um, I look at, at life that um, we can live status quo and never, you know, do anything uh, differently, but um, God, God makes people so that they, they think outside of the, the box. They, uh, why do you think we have the technology that we have and and all that and um, but yet our own personal thoughts are sometimes we get stuck in in the closet okay. we, we don't want to open that door and have to uh, what do you mean you want me to take a meal to somebody mm. I can't do that oh mm. yeah you can mm. you eat every day you know yeah. uh, it doesn't matter uh, if it's a sandwich or what it is. But we need to, to begin to start being concerned about uh, people. Mm. There's a lot there that I think is really good. Um, one of the things that comes to mind for me as you're talking is just the value of right living. I think the sometimes fancy way of talking about these things is Right believing would be like orthodoxy, but right living is this thing that we call orthopraxy. It means like you do it the right way. And I was actually listening to somebody the other day who was saying, they were making the case that if you had to choose one, not that you have to, either right belief or right living, you should always choose right living. It's way better. <laughs> it's, it's a better way of being in the world. Um, and I wonder if there are, this might be a little bit of a pivot, you might need to think just, who are maybe one or two people in your experience here in our church who lived rightly? Who are maybe one or two people that in your, your estimation you look at and sort of esteem 
and somebody who embodies the thing that you're talking about, um, I would obviously put you on that list, on my list, of people of, who, who live rightly before God in our church. But I wonder if there's a couple others that you can think of over the years. I think Patty and Wally live. Uh, most certainly, um, they have good hearts and. and um, what yeah. is it about their their lives? Would you yeah. say as you experience um, them? I mean, they have. Um, as I as I see things that are out on on Facebook, um, they raise their families to be a family that does things. Uh, independently, but yet that family is always there for each other, mm. and they they think of each other, they enjoy each other. I guess that's the word I want is enjoy. Mm. Um, um, certainly, I have a warm heart for Pastor Dan. Mm. Um, he was been through a lot of the turmoil. Um, the young people today. Um, and the little kids. Um, there's nothing better than to see this group of, of kindergarten below and below running into church in the morning and, and they're glad to be here and oh, they they run around and, and uh, you know, they'll high five you. And uh, uh, I just think, uh, I look around and I say, uh, how come that person over there doesn't talk to these kids? <laughs> uh, because there's nothing better. Uh, you know, uh, we get to know them and they get to know us. And, and uh, when one of them will say, Grammy Elaine, it, it Makes my heart feel good. Mm -hmm. um, I've come to to love Pastor Aaron, uh, but as I frequently tell him, he hasn't lived long enough to know what he doesn't know. <laughs> um, uh, there's, you know, challenges of walking into a church that had a pastor for for thirty some years. Um, but I think, as, as I stated before, um, what is the norm? And that's part of everyday living. Mm. And I go back to, if I don't learn something new today, mm. the day's lost. Mm. And I firmly believe that. And I think that the God-given... Um, talents that, that God is giving you need to be used. Hmm. You need to step up and you need to say, yes, I will be part of this. Hmm. Many hands make light work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you might find that you might enjoy somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, it is such an interesting... I guess the way I would say it is the older that I've gotten is my, my idea of what church is has like radically 
just transformed and shifted and morphed um, over, I don't know, the past 20 some odd years um, to really, to really be about creating this community, this like family is the language often used in both the Old and New Testament to talk about the people of God. What does it mean for us to be people who are so different sometimes and so unlike and who on first glance look at each other like, oh, why are they that way, you know? <laughs> but somehow to figure out how to, to love one another, to be committed to one another, to be loyal to one another, to be um, joyous when other people are joyous, to mourn when other people are mourning, like that seems to be from just the, you know, we've talked a lot, um, but even in your sharing here, the quality of church or the experience of church that you've had in this place is something beyond, you know, I got my spiritual needs met and encouraged. It's been a real, like, these people have been committed to me and I've been committed to them um, and, it, and it is wild to me how difficult it is to do that. How have you been able to stay that committed <laughs> over the uh, years? Like what? I, I mean, like I say, you know, uh, God has been with me. Mm. I happened to, to get the guidepost yesterday and... I know it, it's difficult to pray. Mm. Um, I have more difficulty uh, reading the Bible and understanding, and that's why to me, me too. Uh, <laughs> the Bible studies yeah, are, are so good. Um, and the fact that we um, are taping and, and producing our, our sermons online and everything is really good because there's sometimes you need to listen to them one or two, three, four, five times. <laughs> sure. But this that I read yesterday was that there were three pair, prayers that always work. Mm. And it was how. Sometimes you don't know how to pray. Your mind is muddled, your heart heavy. When that happens, try one of the best prayers at any time. How? How should I pray? Should I speak? Should I listen? Should I cry or just wait? The next one is who? You probably have a list of people you pray for regularly. God wants to hear those prayers from us as he cares about all of us who are on our minds and hearts. But he also encourages us to be made for all people. So the prayer, uh, who's on your mind? I mean, who, who, who comes, pops into your mind and everything? You know, that's the person that maybe uh, you never even have thought about. So who and what? We may rush into prayer with our minds made up as to what God should do in our lives. But this one word prayer helps us pause. And so 
those are, are there's more to it. I mean, you can sure. read it in guideposts. But um, it comes down to that being that simplistic. Uh, we don't have to, you know, I, um, I often listen to people pray and I think, oh, my prayer sounds so juvenile, or, you know, and stuff. Um, but that's me. Yeah. And I, I, I can't uh, recite uh, chapter and verse. <laughs> oh, I know some people do. But um, I just, I, lo I, I love my church, I, I love Jesus, and I wish that everybody would mm. accept him. Yeah. But God gave us a choice, yeah. Yeah. and the choice is yours. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so what has uh, been... What gives you hope about the church? I know this is one of the things that I had asked, but maybe there's a couple ways to answer the question. Like what, what's like life-giving to you in church right now? I know you had mentioned the kids. Um, I love, I love all the kids coming. It's like the highlight of my Sunday when they come running back yeah. into the sanctuary at the end of service. There's just a vibrancy. Even this past Sunday, there was a little bit of a, a lower, uh, what's the right word, like energy in the worship service. And then the kids all went in the yeah. back and got those little instruments in there. Oh, yeah. And it just elevated everything. Yeah. It just, the whole tenor of the, the service was just saturated with a, a certain joy and enthusiasm um, in there. But what are some things that are life-giving and things that you have hope for in our church these days? I guess I would, would hope that um, people would not just arrive a minute before the church starts and leaves a minute after it's over. That they would uh, get to know each other. Mm. Uh, I, I know life is busy. Uh, but these are uh, friendships, these are acquaintances that will uh, be there for us, I mm. think, in, in more ways than uh, we even realize. Mm. Uh, uh, take some time to get to know each other. Uh, there's opportunities in many ways. And um, if you feel that um, you'd like to do something, but you don't know what? Call the church office. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's as simple as that. And, and I know that I have always made the decision, that, and this is the way I was brought up, that if you're going to belong to something, that you get involved. Mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, I served on the church board for 20-some years. I stepped down from that. Um, yeah, that's that's different. You don't, <laughs> you don't necessarily know what's what's really going on and yeah. stuff, but it's time, and and there's a time in your life for for different aspects of it. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, I know that uh, 
the children's uh, area needs uh, people that would just come and, and tell stories, read a book and read them a story. Um, uh, the babies, they need young, young adults uh, to, to um, take care of them. Uh, I, uh, I frankly think that I'm too old to, to be picking up babies and, uh, in the nursery. So, uh, but there's other things that you can do. Uh, you know, the pencils need to be sharpened. Uh, uh, this, you know, coffee made, or uh, you need to volunteer just to, hey, if somebody has a, a, or, you know, needs somebody to talk to, have them call me. The sufferings of people in our own congregation, but the way that, that we as a church show up in the midst of the world's pain and difficulties matters, right? And um, in, in some ways, that starts here. You know, it starts within the congregation. You you learn, hopefully, over time, that skill set of knowing what it's like to actually love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and as you you sharpen and hone that capacity, and gr God grows that capacity in you in congregational life, you can't help but but do that outside of the church as well. And I think that there's a tendency for a lot of folks to do one or the other. In many ways, your story reminds me of the need for both, you know, that we have to hold on to well, both of those things in congregation. I think there's always been a division. Well, uh, oh, you go to this church. Oh, you're, you're Jewish. Uh, you're Catholic. You're uh, LDS. You're this. Uh, uh, well, that's fine. Yeah. You know, uh, but um, you know, I I go to my sons if there's an activity or I've been to church with them. They come here. Yeah, um, they're here at Christmas. I, I I don't care. I don't care where you go to church. Mm -hmm. I care that that you have a relationship with God. Mm. But um, that's between you and God. And, and none of us are the same. Yeah. We're all different in how we relate, not only to God and the way we, we handle that, but to, to people. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's, there's times when you might look at somebody and say, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because of uh, maybe the way they look Maybe you've had a disagreement with them, but you can't let those things um, take over your life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks to Elaine uh, for joining me in that conversation. Uh, if you made it this far in the podcast, I'd encourage you uh, just to send a little text or a note, send a little letter to Elaine, just encouraging her and perhaps expressing um, something that you, you learned about God uh, just through her story and in her life. Uh, it'd be a great encouragement to her in these days and looking forward to future conversations uh, with some folks in our church. Thanks, Bauerhouse Church, for paying attention to one another. It's one of the kindest things that we can do in our shared life together.